This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Here we go. A new week on the Black and Blue Report podcast. Glad you're with us. Uh, hope you're staying cool wherever you are. If you're in the Gulf South like us, you're sweating a little bit. Uh, it's been a kind of a grueling weekend at Saints camp, and uh, the heat was uh, maybe even more uh, more great today on Monday as the Saints return to the practice field. We're back in Studio B with you here on this Monday afternoon. I'm Sean Kelly, Daniel Salerson in a shirt and tie today, I might add. Dressing to impress. Nice, nice is uh, here and obviously in the air conditioner because only a fool would go out there dressed like you are. No, you would be seeing a lot through with a white shirt on. So Nobody wants that. No one wants that no. at all. We've got a lot of Saints stuff to talk about today. Um, again, a grueling weekend. They kind of dialed it back a little bit here on this Monday. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the other big story here on Monday, of course, in our building, is that the NBA schedule is, is, is it going to happen? Finally, 5 o'clock Central. 5 o'clock Central. The NBA schedule will be released today. I know there's already been some talk about the Pelicans and the Warriors playing on national television very early, maybe even the home opener. Um which would be fantastic. I think we know that the Pelicans are not playing on Christmas Day because we've seen that schedule, haven't we? Yes. Yes. And while I would, I will disagree with many of the teams that are playing on Christmas this year. Knicks and Sixers, really? I sort of get the Sixers. I feel like they're the the hot team with the young guys, but I don't know. the Knicks are. If Carmelo gets traded, then you're just watching for Porzingis. It's it's all about the name. It's, I don't, it's all about the market size. Yeah, that's what it is. So they're going to have New York and Philly play that early game on Christmas Day. Two huge markets on the East Coast. And then the Lakers, uh, even with Mr. Ball, um, and that'll be a, a circus in itself, um, you get the L.A. market out west that night. So, nonetheless, uh, we'll learn all we want to know about the Pelicans schedule today. What do you hope for? I don't know, just some rest. I mean, they're, they're trying to alleviate back-to-back, so hopefully I think the Pelicans had 15 or so last year, so maybe 12 to 13. I know the schedule – the Games are starting a little earlier. Maybe some breaks in between a little bit. Just some of the, the crazy random road trips that you all had to go on. I don't know. That doesn't really affect me as far as the travel, but uh, I don't want a bunch of two games going West Coast for two games in the back-to-back just seems silly. Things like that, maybe they can alleviate. Yeah, there was a lot of that last year. Like like in years past, road trips kind of made sense. Okay, we're going to go to Dallas, and then we'll kind of keep going out West and then come home. Uh, last year there was a couple times where I was like, okay, you're going to go to Denver and play the Nuggets, and then you're going to head all the way back east and play um, Indiana, Boston, New York. I mean, that just yeah. made no sense. Um, so maybe that's – I guess that's what I'm looking for is a little more sense uh, with regard to, to that. And then you always look at you always look at who's going to be here at home on the weekends because that's a better and easier time for fans to make. Everybody will circle Warriors and Cavs dates. I, I, I get that. Um, also how he closed the season it's very right. important as far as playoff push who you end with and i think how they start the season too i think the first especially with how this team started the last couple of years yes starting important and why is it that we get the warriors this is the second straight year the first friday of the season we play them national television at home here you go <laughs> I, I don't know i don't i don't have an answer for you it's nice to get a nationally televised game early but I guess if you're going to play them, I'd rather play them early than have to worry about them down the stretch. Yeah. Although since we play them a couple times a year, like thrice or four times, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're, gonna, you're bound to get them 
at an inopportune time. Exactly. Yes. All right. Uh, we're going to have lots to, uh, of coverage of that. Obviously, again, uh, as Daniel mentioned, the schedule comes out at 5 Central today. And then tomorrow, uh, David Wesley and I will have a special Facebook Live broadcast uh, talking about the schedule and how it all breaks out uh, from a Pelican's perspective. And then on Wednesday's Black and Blue Report, head coach Alvin Gentry is scheduled to be with us, Daniel. And um, and I think later in the week, perhaps you and Jim Eichenhofer. Yeah, Friday, Jim and I will on. kind of break down his articles that he'll write about the schedule, yeah. things like so that. So by the end of the week, I think we'll have a pretty good handle on what the schedule is, what it means, and how much how much that will throw out the window when it actually gets here. But uh, good stuff. I'm excited, Daniel. I know you Me are too. too. Uh, as we mentioned, the Saints dialed it back today. That doesn't mean we don't have uh, big-time coverage for you. We have uh, special one-on-one visits with a couple of key guys uh, today. Number one, um, we've got Alex Anzalone here, who is, I think, progressing quicker than I had even would have thought from the draft, from when the Saints decided to draft the linebacker out of Florida. Uh, I would expect we'll see a ton of him again this weekend against the San Diego, uh, San Diego Chargers. That'll be the probably the first of many times I do that this week. Against the L.A. Chargers uh, this week in practice and then on Sunday. And then in our final segment on today's Black and Blue Report, a very key member of the Saints defense, and he doesn't put on a helmet and shoulder pads. That's defensive backs coach Aaron Glenn, who will talk about uh, his impact on that position group, what he's hoping for them and getting from them at this point as the cornerbacks and, um, in addition, the, the safeties are a big storyline for this training camp. So two great conversations with those two gentlemen here in just a moment. Before we take our break, though, I want to let you listen in to what Zach Streep had to say after practice today. We don't commonly do this on this podcast, but after listening to Zach Streep basically handle the media core today, uh, after practice, soaking wet. Um, as a matter of fact, not to be gross here, there was a puddle on the ground by the time he was done, literally. He was out there for a long visit, uh, but hit on so many great things um, that I want to play that in its entirety for you. There's a couple things to, to listen for. He does uh, talk about joint practices coming up at the Chargers. He uh, talks about what he feels about this team even at this early juncture. And he also uh, gives us um, his reaction to a very cool thing the Saints did last night, Daniel, and that's they were able to hear from Carl Lewis as that. the speaker at, here at training camp. So here, Zach Streif, after practice on this Monday. Nice to see uh, Max out there. It seems like he's doing a little more and uh, getting close to waiting in the bank. Yeah, it's awesome to see Max out. I think he, break, he got about 800, uh, oh, Max is here, comments today. So I think everyone's excited and – I know he's uh, feeling really good. He's been saying for a couple weeks now that he's uh, probably a good bit ahead of where he thought he would be at this point. So um, he's been working really hard on the side, and uh, it's good to see him in pads today. Zach, it seems like Drew's been a little more fiery the last couple of days. What do you make of that? As in yesterday? Yesterday. Particularly? Yeah. yeah. Listen, he's a super competitive guy. That was a adjustment that we've missed twice now, and that's not really acceptable. You know, it's something that uh, we got to do up front, but – Listen, he's really competitive. That, that's you know that happens in practice sometimes. You guys just aren't usually there, you know, during the season when when he gets fired up. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that's completely in his nature, uh, but he is extremely competitive, and that stuff does come out time to time. What, uh, what did you guys learn from Carl Lewis last night? Uh, it, it was really cool. To, I mean, Sean said it when he introduced him. You know, of all the guys that we've had come up there, I don't know that we've ever had anywhere near as decorated a, a, an athlete as Carl Lewis and um, 
Carl gave us a couple things that I think really hit home for a lot of guys. Uh, one was be a 24-hour athlete. You know, if if it's not contributing to your success as an athlete, then don't do it. And that, you know, that's not just in the building. That's outside the building, your nutrition, your sleep, all those things. And listen, for a guy that does what he did, it doesn't happen on accident. You know, those guys, no different than, you know, for us, a guy like Drew or Adrian. Uh, there's a different level of commitment that those guys have. And um, I think a lot of guys were really inspired by Carl last night. And uh, it was awesome to, to hear him speak and to get to meet him and shake his hand uh, because, you know, guy was voted sportsman of the century by like 10 publications. That's pretty amazing to get to meet that person and, and you meet that kind of a guy in person. And, and uh, I think that 24-hour athlete message really struck home with a lot of guys. What was the feeling of your room after the Cleveland game? Um, you know, I think it's, you know, a lot of preseason games, you, you, you look at it and you go, man, there's a lot of good stuff here. And then you look at it and you're like, man, there's a lot of stuff that we wish we could have back. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in that game that are, are adjustments that we make during the season that we're just not there yet in, in the preseason. Um, you know, I think really both sides of the ball, or, or both both teams, I think, defensively brought a lot more than we're used to seeing in the preseason. Not as an excuse, but um, I think some of those adjustments took more time, and I think that resulted in some issues. And uh, But I, I think there's a ton of good stuff on there, too. There's a lot of good stuff and guys doing the right things. And I think for us as a, as a line, what you're really looking for is, okay, there's your live action. You guys finally, you know, a lot of guys – either haven't played at this level or haven't played a lot, next week needs to be the big jump. You know, you got to see a lot of improvement between that game and the next one, similar to what we talked about during the season. For a guy like Ryan, obviously getting game action will be key. How about these joint practices? I know a lot of vets love joint practices. How big would that help? What vets did you talk to? <laughs> Drew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, first of all, it's nice to, to see someone across the ball that isn't your teammate. And I'm tired of blocking Cam. I've had enough. Um, and uh, so it's good to, to get a different, you know, a different guy across from me and a different look. And, you know, at the end of the day, practice is an opportunity to work on certain things. You know, I, I try and teach young guys, don't be as concerned with the result at practice. That's you, you're concerned with the result in the game. Practice is for working certain things, certain techniques. So when you get to see different players, different types of rushes, different defenses, you get to work things in a practice that, Otherwise, you'd be working in the game, you know, and uh, I think that's really beneficial. I, it's certainly beneficial for young guys that are going to see a front that is not our front and and get to work some new techniques against different types of players that are doing different things. Um, and not to mention, I think we're all ready to get out of this weather for a little bit. And, um, you know, these, these trips away from home for the preseason are always good bonding opportunities. Uh, we seem to have a little bit more free time, and uh, that's as important as the practices. Uh, I think this team works really hard. Um, I think it's really hard to say at this point what the what this team's kind of destiny is. Um, I think there's a lot of guys that, that have a sense of urgency. I think everyone around here realizes the importance of this season, realizes the importance. Even, even guys that are young, I think it's hard to get away from that feeling that, you know, Listen, we, we have to win or else there's going to be changes and and nobody likes that. You know what I mean? That's that's reality. And I think that 
sense of urgency has has shown up in this camp. Um, you know, I, I would reserve my judgment of the team until I have a clue what in the world the team is. Because, you know, we got 90 guys, 37 players that are here at minimum won't be here. And every year there's another four or five guys we grab from different teams. So it's hard to say this early. I, I do know that the team, this team works. Um, these last two days have been, you know, tough physical days, long days. And I think it's been competitive and guys have worked and, and that's something to grow on. Zach, you talked about uh, not being as concerned with the result in practice. Do you find that that's something kind of hard for guys to do, just being competitors? I think it's extremely hard for guys to do. I think it's really hard to do as a young player when you're, you're, you're feeling, your senses that every loss is met with this massive criticism behind closed doors that you're not a part of. Like, oh, he's, he can't do it. He can't, you know. What, what you try and convey to guys is, listen, you can miss a block five times in practice, but if you work your technique to the point when, when it happens in a game, you execute it perfectly, they forget that really quick. You know, it's, it's, it's a very quick transition to, oh, look how much he's improved. You know, the game is the time. And, and that was, that, listen, that's another message that Carl Lewis shared with us last night was the, the process, the work up to it, that's what it is. It's part of the process. It's all in an effort to succeed when the cameras are on, when it's, when it's live bullets, when it's the real deal. Everything that you've done up to that point should be built to give you confidence that you can execute it in that moment. That is very difficult to teach a young guy to do, and it's certainly as a competitor, but I think if you, if you focus more on yourself, your own personal process, your own technique, your own work ethic, uh, it, make, comes, it becomes a little bit easier to kind of remove yourself from the result of a play and look at it and say, okay, here's what I learned from doing this. I'm going to fix this. And eventually you get to the point where that mistake doesn't happen anymore. Uh, that is very difficult to do, but I think the players that are good and succeed in this league find a way to do that. Seth, how many uh, defensive ends in this league do you face with a skill set like Cam Jordan's? I'll tell you, I think Cam is one very unique as a rusher. His style is unusual. Um, he has a, first of all, a very powerful. I think all of Cam's, all the difficulty in blocking Cam is that he's a very powerful defensive end. He's one of the few guys that I play in a year that I have legitimate concerns of getting pushed into the quarterback against. That's hard. Um, you know, we tell young linemen all the time: start with stopping power, because if a guy can push you into the quarterback, he doesn't have to do anything else. Yeah. And so when a, when a defensive end has that ability, that's, that's tough. He pairs that with a very kind of unorthodox set of moves that come off of power that look a lot like power. Um, even after all these years playing him, there'll be two, three times of practice where I set my feet for a bull and he does some swim move jump that I miss. And that's not a real common thing that I see. That's not something I get a lot of. Um, and he's also got a motor that is absolutely relentless. For a big guy, for a guy that size, to be able to go as hard as he does throughout an entire practicing game is very impressive. I, I hate to say J.J. Watt because he's so famous, but he has sort of the size, the batted passes and stuff. Is that in the realm of skill set? Yeah, I think similar. Um, you know, I think, I think that he probably plays in the system a little bit more. You know, the, one of the tough things with J.J. is that he – You'll see a front and be like, he's spiking, and he doesn't spike because he doesn't want to. <laughs> and, you know, and so you're anticipating something, and, and that's one of the more difficult things with him. But I think, yes, that skill set of the ability to have enough power 
to push you to the quarterback and, a, and enough moves out of that and off of that to keep you honest is very difficult for an offensive lineman. He's refined that a lot over the years, or he's kind of been doing that early on? I, certainly, I think look, I think Cam's gotten better every year. I think this is the best camp he's ever had. He did, I'll tell you, he gave me a move yesterday that in, in the practice, I was like, man, I was frustrated with myself. And when I saw it on tape, I was like, I don't know, what to, you know what I mean? Like survive it. Like it, everything about it looked like power long arm. Everything in the entire rush was power long arm. And then he outside swipes and he's completely clean, you know? And uh, listen, I'm glad he's on my team. I've thought about it numerous times during training camp. Like, man, at least I don't have to deal with that in real life. You know what I mean? It's just out there and it's great work for me. I mean, every day he pushes me um, probably more than I'm able to push him, you know? Zach, how challenging is it going to be the next two weeks? Uh, and what's your book on Melvin Ingram, Joey Booza, and then the Texans uh, with their number one overall team? It sounds like these real challenges that are all lines, right? Absolutely. Listen, I think the Chargers, healthy, had one of the most talented fronts in the NFL last year. You know, they, that, that team has been beat up by injuries the last couple of years. And But, man, when you look at that roster, especially defensively, top to bottom, it's a handful. And, look, we, we didn't play well against them in – the season last year when they had injuries so yeah they've got two really talented pass rushers they got a pass rusher I gave up a sack to that you're not even mentioning so it's a talented front Brandon Meebane is a is a heck of a player they play downhill it's a very physical front obviously they're into a new defensive system and there's growing pains that they're going to go through in in changing to that but uh talent wise that's that's a good front obviously Houston uh, we, we play Houston every year, it seems like, and uh, we seem to practice them every year, and, and it is always a battle. That is a super talented group, and they play a, a the scheme they play with is tough. The, the talent they have is tough. It's uh, Again, it's really good work, and, and if you can take those practices for the right way of, hey, if I can do if I can work on my technique against that caliber of player, that's a huge benefit to me down the road. Um, you know, that's that's the way to take it. And so for us, yeah, it's going to be great. Great work for us. Zach, you as a, as a team last year seemed like you guys really wanted to support people who wanted to make a message during the National Anthem protest, but maybe do it in a unifying way. I mean, something that you're talking about again this week, now that a lot of players seem to be wanting to be heard on that platform again. Uh, we, we have not discussed that at all. Um, you know, I think, listen, I think the message is uh, – the reality is we have a platform and guys using the platform uh, I, I think is good I don't you know it's that's part of what makes this country great is the ability to use you know your situation for good and, and guys um, have you know different feelings on on what is good and what is bad and there's always going to be disagreements in that and again that's what's great about America is that you can have that disagreement we haven't talked about what we're going to do last year um, we kind of had that moment of solidarity, I think, with Atlanta. Um, and I think that message is, listen, man, we, we you know, we, we're, we're about everybody having the fair shot, a fair shake, different teams, different backgrounds, different races. And I don't think that that's different than what most people want. Um, and some guys feel that they're going to use their platform to make statements. I, I fully, I'm behind that. You know, um, I, I don't know that I always agree with the way that they choose to do it, but that's, again, that's what's great about America is that I, I don't have to. 
I do agree with the message. I, I want equal rights for everybody. You know, my, I don't I don't want anyone to see and experience things unfairly because of where they came from or what their race is. I, I don't think most people do. Um, you know, obviously the national anthem has become a, a kind of a sounding board for those feelings, and it's not the way that I would do it, but that's not for me to judge somebody for doing. And, um, and again, and if people do want to judge, then that's, again, that's part of the rights and freedoms of being an American and what makes it so great. And I think what ultimately makes people upset when that happens is, you know, to just what it represents. But we haven't talked about it, and uh, I don't know that we will. Uh, maybe we will, uh, but it hasn't come up yet. All right, stay with us. Those two other conversations I promised you are right around the corner. Alex Anzalone, linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, and New Orleans Saints defensive backs coach Aaron Glenn in just a moment. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Alex, let's just start with today. I think the last check, the heat index was at 99. Seemed pretty brutal out here on this uh, Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty rough, um, you know, but just the conditions, you got to get through it, and uh, you got to embrace the suck and just do do what you have to do to, uh, you know, just do your job. What would you say were the most important things about practice today? Um, you know, I don't think defensively as a whole, and me personally got off to a good start, but we, we finished really well in that last two-minute drive. Um, and Coach Nolan was saying after to linebackers, you know, that, you know, games go that way. Not everything goes in your favor, but it's really the way you finish, and you could really win a game that way. So uh, I'm glad we experienced it, and we just move on to the next day. You almost won a big down today, if not for maybe some slippery turf. I thought yeah. you had an interception in covering yeah. Camara there. Yeah, I thought so, too. I had a good read on it, and I was in good position, but my, my cleats didn't stick. Let's go back to the preseason game, your first NFL game action. What did mm-hmm. you take away from it? Um, you know, I took away a lot of things. One, the corrections that I had to make, and uh, two, just getting used to the Used to the tempo, game game uh, tempo. So uh, those are a few things. I think that it was a little different going against other faces and uh, in a new environment in Cleveland and everything like that. But it was awesome. I enjoyed it and I had fun. Is it a dream realized even though it's a preseason game? Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, going through OTAs and mini camp and training camp, you, it's a little bit of a grind. But then you kind of get rewarded with the games. And, uh, you know, that, that first game is one I'll always remember. Was there a comfort level at any point? I mean, at some point it had to be football, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same yardage, length and width, and it's the same plays that you, you see all the time, and you watch the film, you see what you get, and, um, you know, just football, and you, you, you just get in your comfort zone and just play. Alex, the first week of camp, first two weeks of camp, really, they kind of had you and your fellow linebackers bouncing around, mm-hmm. getting familiar with different spots on the field. Yeah. Has that calmed down a little bit? Um, I mean, not necessarily. I think we still have a guy, a couple guys moving around. Um, you know, some guys go down some days. Some guys have to step up and things like that. So, 
we're still kind of shifting its way itself out, so we'll see what happens. I remember Coach Payton saying the first week that he really liked what he was seeing from you, but there were still those those knucklehead plays, using his words. Uh-huh. Uh, do you feel like less knucklehead moments now that you've progressed through camp? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's pretty pretty much so. Um, you know, I think that uh, just progressing throughout camp, you uh, go through, make some mistakes, and watch film and correct them, and then um, you know go to the next day and play them the right way. So. You know, just being a young player, it's a little bit different tempo than it was in college a little bit. You guys to be a little more precise in your reads and everything like that. So, um, you know, it's getting better slowly but surely. You've mentioned the classroom quite a bit, watching film and, and whatnot. What's yeah. the hardest thing at this point of taking classroom or film work and, and applying it to the field? Well, I think at this level it's more technique than anything. In college you get a lot away with a lot of stuff, you know, techn- technique-wise. So, you know, little things, it's not necessarily how hard you're playing or uh, you know, a mismatch or anything. It's just your technique on certain plays and how, how you cover, how you play the run and everything like that. So that's kind of the toughest thing for me to get through, you know, just transition through co- through college to the NFL. Got joint practices coming up with the Chargers next week. Have you even given that any thought, or can you get past today at this point in camp? <laughs> you know, I was just really focused on today. I know after playing um, in the game on uh, Thursday, you know, it was two days later we had this full pad of practice, but I was just focused on today and focused on tomorrow and the next day. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, like, playing against different faces is always, is always fun for me because, you know, it's just a whole nother competition level. Last thing, let's set the record straight for everybody. The name. It's Anzalone, right? Yeah, it's Anzalone. Say it like it, it's pizzeria. Like it's a pizzeria. It's Italian, so uh, it, it is Anzalone. You know, you could put your own spin on it, but I'm again either way. Anzalone, Anzalone, my whole life, so it doesn't really make a huge difference to me. But it is Anzalone. Very good. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. The highly decorated player and coach of the New Orleans Saints defensive backs, Aaron Glenn's with us. Coach, uh, first of all, it, it feels in some ways like we've reached that point in camp where it is really difficult to stay mentally sharp here in this heat and the timing of between preseason games. You know what you're right. Um, but I think it's the best part of camp because you start seeing the, the guys who are mentally tough enough to be able to handle it, and especially here in New Orleans when the, when the weather's hot, um, it's humid. Um, we got to be able to play and step up in these situations. And that usually happens, and I think Vince Lombardi said it best, fatigue makes cowards out of all of us. So um, we just try to preach those things to our players and let them understand that, listen, when you're tired, you got to be able to push through it. Aaron, can you give me some sense of what you started to realize about your, your group in the secondary? I think the one thing that, that we will do is compete. Um, and that's what we stress. You know, at the end of the day, the technique might not be per- perfect. Um, the position of our feet might not be perfect. But if you compete and, and play as, as hard as you can, um, a lot of times that can overcome some of the things. Now, technique is important, and we preach that. But uh, just being able to compete, playing and play out, that's the most important thing to us right now. In a lot of ways, that seems to reflect your personality, whether it be as a coach or when you played. <laughs> I've always had an aggressive mentality, um, and I, that's just part of my DNA. So... 
Uh, I just want to see my guys go out there and, and play. And I think Pete does a good job. Lee does a good job. Um, we all preach the same thing to these guys, and I think it starts to show on the field. Can, can you give us some sense as to the step that some of the guys that got thrown into the fire last year yeah. have taken and now find themselves maybe in a larger role. And I guess I'm referring to guys like Devontae yeah. Harris and Ken yeah. Crawley specifically. I think the good thing that, that those guys had experienced last year was playtime and um, an understanding the scheme. And I think the one thing that those guys uh, realized from last year, that the NFL is totally different in college. And you're playing against a good player week in and week out. So there's no drop-off at all. Um, I think this year these guys are coming in with that mentality. Listen, i got to be the best player I can be on every snap, every play. It doesn't matter. Rain, snow, or sleet. <laughs> you know, i got to be the best. And, and it's helping those guys. Um, the thing that we got to do is continue to do that week in and week out, like days like this, mm-hmm. you know, because, you listen, it's easy to do it when you feel good, but those days when you don't feel good, that's when it tests your character. What's the skill that you've seen them excel at, perhaps, and maybe something that they still need to work on? Competing. Yeah. Competing, hands down. I mean, that's the skill that those guys realize. I mean, it's always in them, but sometimes you got to bring it out them to do it week in and week out. Is there a guy in this group that maybe hasn't caught the, the average viewer's eye like mine that maybe has turned your head a little bit? You know what? Honestly, I would say the whole secondary has. Um, each one of them has different skill sets that they, that they try to tap into, and we as coaches try to make sure we understand what those skill sets are and make them do what they do best. Um, but I can honestly say that each player in that back end, I mean, they're doing exactly what we're coaching them to do. They're doing exactly what we expect them to do. Now, there's errors in and out. You know, that's to be expected from a young group. Yeah. Um, but as far as the things that we're preaching, as far as competing, as far as the technique stuff, I think they're all, from the safeties to the corners, they're all doing a good job. It's certainly noticeable watching whenever it's receivers versus DBs, whether it's the spiking of the football back and forth, the the intensity or the maybe I should say the liveliness of that competition has been awfully uh, entertaining. Well, here's the thing. I love the receivers that we go against. I mean, those guys make us a lot better. And they get involved in the competition. We get involved in the competition. The coaches get involved in the competition. And that's what this game is about at the end of the day. You know, it's competition. And when you have two groups going at each other like that, it's only going to make each uh, each side better. So um, we try to bring that energy every day. Um, we try to bring some type of competitive um, deal to where, you know, if you do this, you get this. It's some type of award at the end of the day. And hopefully we can continue to do that. Does the uh, does the barking with you and Curtis Johnson extend beyond the playing field? Does it happen in the hallways every once in a while? You two seem to be good foils for each other. We, we, we miss it. Me and CJ are the best of the best as far as friends. And, and we understand sometimes you have to do that to get the guys going. Um, but I tell you what, he's a heck of a coach. He's been coaching for a long time. And shoots. When he say things, I listen so I can understand what receivers are, are, are trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he does the same when I'm talking to my guys. So um, I think he's a heck of a coach, man. And I love the fact that me and him can go back and forth at each other. And then once we get in the locker room, it's what's up? <laughs> we're going to go eat tonight. We, you know, we're going to sit in the lunchroom and sit down and eat together. So um, he's an outstanding coach. Lastly, two things about this upcoming week. Mm-hmm. Number one, the value of joint practices with yeah. another team. Can you... Uh, help us, uh, I guess, put into perspective of, of what we should expect or want out of those? Just going against new guys. Just going against new guys, being able to compete against new guys, and also bringing what we do on this practice field into another situation and being able to create the same thing that we're trying to do on our practice field. You can't be one way here and be another way in a game, another way when you get to L.A. or Denver. It doesn't matter. You know, We're trying to create a level of consistency Week in and week out, it doesn't matter where we go. We travel with this, we play at home with this. You know, that's just what we try to do. 
and what coach finally will you be demanding from your players as far as improvement from preseason game number one to next Sunday's preseason game number two? You just said it, improvement. It's easy as it that. It seems awfully broad, coach. That's what it is. <laughs> and that's the truth. We have a young group, and I want to see them improve every week. And if we do that, we'll be on the right track. Aaron Glenn on the Black and Blue Report today. John DeShazer just popped in the studio, B. He's your favorite, isn't he, Aaron Glenn? Yeah, I like A.G. I love A.G. Um, him and C.J., A.G. and C.J., Curtis Johnson, uh, two guys who really go after it. Their units go after it, but I, I like it. A.G. is spicy, I think is a good word for it, on the, on the practice field. When his guys make a play, he wants to let him let his guys know they made a nice play, and he wants to let the offense know that his guys in the secondary made a nice play. So, yeah, good guy. I like him. Yeah, very good visit with him. He didn't share a whole lot, John. He gave us a little insight. I think you could probably feel his personality, even in a podcast with that visit. Um, but he's he's playing it pretty close to the vest right now with this D-backs group. you got to see him on the practice field to get an appreciation for, especially in the one-on-one drills. Because uh, the team drills, you know, guys can, you know, they're running around. And if you're on the sideline, it probably just looks like a bunch of bees swarming around. And it's hard to tell. But when you get him in the individual drills, and you see his guys going one-on-one against the receivers, and you can actually listen to him, not just coach him, but it's the extras that go along with the coaching that, you know, entertain us so much. You know, that that's the real AG. He ain't going to give you much in an interview, but right there, that's that's him. Yes, I agree. Anything from practice today worth noting? Uh, big thing is Max Unger is not necessarily back in practice, but he was working some individual drills on the side, and he was in full pads. Everybody else uh, in T-shirts and, and jerseys, but he was in full pads uh, working on the sideline, which to me signals that he is really, really, really close. Uh, Coach Payton said that he was on pace to get back by that third preseason game, which is what they predicted in the beginning. Uh, and even Zach Streif said that Max said that Max – was back sooner than even Max thought he'd be back. So it's a good sign because, let's be honest here, even though they didn't pop up in the preseason game against Cleveland, the Saints have had some issues at center here uh, in in the preseason and training camp. And so to get back the guy who maybe was their best lineman last year, you know, certainly doesn't help, doesn't hurt any. uh, And you need to get him back because he hadn't gotten in a ton of work with his with his guard Larry Warford, the right guard. Now, yeah, he got some in with with Andrews Pete, but you know there's a certain cohesion that has to go go a long way toward where this team wants to be, and they build up that front interior wall. Max Unger at center, and Andrews Pete at left guard, and Larry Warford at right guard. That's the first line of defense when it comes to Drew Brees. You want to have Drew have somewhere to step because Drew ain't gonna he ain't gonna scramble even though he's athletic but he's not gonna be a guy who's gonna be scrambling around you're not gonna be doing any zone reads with him he's gonna drop back and he's gonna throw it so you need those guys to kind of you know pave the way for him and so Max getting back and to get that cohesion with Larry Warford whom he has not played an NFL game with is gonna be critical all right off we go to Los Angeles you ready for joint practices with the Chargers yeah, because, uh, again, when you get this team or any team this deep in training camp, when they work out against somebody else, it doesn't just bring out the best in them uh, because there's now a new level of competition. You don't want to be shown up by an opposing team. But there also usually is a certain amount of feistiness that goes along with it. Now, the coaches don't want to see any fighting because, you know, they feel it's counterproductive. And truth be told, it truly is counterproductive. You know, you just stop in practice. You got guys burning up unnecessary energy, uh, throwing punches, and somebody might actually get hurt because usually they're punching after a guy who's got a helmet on. So how much are you going to hurt him? 
And yet, I like it. I'm sorry. I like it. Call me whatever you want to. I like it. You know, don't judge me. <laughs> but I do. I don't mind seeing a little bit of feistiness and some fisticuffs every now and then <laughs> in a joint practice. At the very least, you're honest, John DeShazer. <laughs> J.D. and I will be out there with the Saints at those two practices on Thursday and Friday. We'll preview a little more of that on Wednesday's Black and Blue Report again. Alvin Gentry will be here on Wednesday. Don't forget to check out David Wesley tomorrow, Facebook Live, 10 Central, talking about the uh, Pelicans NBA schedule, maybe the NBA schedule in general uh, tomorrow as well. We had a full room. Daniel Salerson, thank you very much. J.D. as well for stopping by. Anytime. Alex Anzalone today. Aaron Glenn, Zach Street. Good stuff. Good way to start the week. Stay cool, everybody. We'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs>